Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. This morning, we close out our series called Experiencing Generosity. And what we've been doing over uh, the last two weeks and today is looking at the generosity of our God. Two weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 145, and, and we saw just how generous our big, big God is to you and me. Uh, if you weren't here, we talked about how God is so big that he fills the entire universe, that there's no place you can go in the created universe that God isn't. And yet this big, big God cares for this relatively small planet on the grand scheme of things. But not just the planet, he cares for all the people on the planet. And not just people in general, he cares for you. God is a hands-on God and generously provides you with food, with clothing, with shelter. He provides you with everything you need for this life and the next, as he provided you with compassion and grace through our Lord and Savior Jesus. Last week we saw how God is generous with money. We looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and we saw how, how God uh, provides us with all that we need in every situation so that we can abound in every good work. That God, uh, as we are generous, promises we will not run out as we are generous to others. Because God is generous to you and me. This morning, we are closing up our series looking at how God is generous with gifts, with talents and abilities. He has gifted each and every one of us with different uh, talents and different things that we are good at. And what we see this morning is that Christians view these gifts differently. And to look at that, we're going to uh, open up to Romans chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans in the New Testament. Uh, Romans was uh, originally a letter written by the Apostle Paul around 50 AD to the Christians living in Rome. Paul had not been to Rome yet, and so he wrote a very deep doctrinal book, uh, a doctrinal letter teaching uh, of the Christian faith. And if you want to summarize the first 11 chapters, it's all about how everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But all are justified freely by his grace, declared innocent by his grace through Jesus Christ. Chapter 12 is a transition chapter. In fact, the first two verses of chapter 12, what we're going to see is a transition to what does this mean for our life now? Based on all this grace, what's this mean for you and me in our day-to-day -day lives? And so let's jump in. We're in Romans chapter 12. Here's what Paul says. First two verses. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's stop right there, uh, because as I mentioned, this is a transition. These are two transition verses to the rest of the book, and it's packed with theological depth uh, that we need to get a handle on. And so let's just kind of walk through it. In view of God's mercy, Paul says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What's the mercy that God has had on you and me? Uh, Romans chapter 6, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. And what does God say in Romans chapter 6 that we've earned? A wage is something you've earned. Uh, when I was in high school and college, I worked for park maintenance, uh, and it was one of those where you still had your time card, and you punched in, and then you punched out before you go home. And at the end of the month, uh, we'd go in at 3.15, 3.30 as the workday was winding down. We ended at 4, and there would be the boss sitting at his desk, punching the time card, getting everything ready. Uh, and he'd take the hours multiplied by how long you've, or, uh, by your wage, and that'd be your paycheck. That's how much you earn. God looks at your long list of sins and says, here's what you've earned. Death. Separation. Separation from God. Separation from body and soul. Here's what you've earned because of your sin. That is law. And that's what we have earned and deserved, and yet God doesn't give it to us. Instead, in Romans chapter 6, Paul says what? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we have earned is death, and yet God gives you and me a gift. And what is the gift? Eternal life through his son Jesus Christ whom he gave generously for you and me, who's taken all of our sin, who's taken the wage that we have earned, and he took it himself. And he went to the cross where he paid for it so that he could give you the gift of eternal life. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how bad you've been, how messed up you've made things. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter your long list that God, so to speak, adds up. It doesn't matter. God has forgiven all of those sins through Jesus Christ. He generously gives you grace. Conversely, it doesn't matter how good you've been. It doesn't matter how moral you have been. Because none of your moral acts, none of your righteous acts can ever take away the long laundry list of sins that you've committed against God. And yet for you, the morally upright, God has still gifted you eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because it's only through Jesus that sins are paid for. It's only through Jesus that you've been included into the family. Because God cast out Jesus so that you could be included. That's the mercy that God has had on you and me. He doesn't give us what we deserve. 
Do you see what hope that brings you? Do you see what peace that brings you? What joy? Gratitude and thanks fill our hearts because without Jesus, it doesn't matter how good we've been. We're still falling short, and yet God has gifted to you and me in his mercy and grace eternal life. Paul says, in view of this mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What does that mean? In the Old Testament, God prescribed, told the Israelites how to worship. Here were the regulations, here were the rules to worshiping God in the Old Testament. Bring a lamb, a goat, a bull, bring an animal to God, and sacrifice it. And when it was dead, you symbolically handed it to God and, say, and, and symbolically said, God, you now own this. It was mine. I'm giving it to you, and you own it now. The sacrifice for sins is Jesus Christ, and so we no longer offer sacrifices like the Old Testament Israelites did. However, Paul says, now, out of thanks and praise and gratitude to God, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. In other words, sacrifice the sinful desires and live for God. Sacrifice your judgmental attitude to give glory to God and praise Him. Sacrifice what you want and the pride that's in your heart and humble yourself to give God glory. Sacrifice the sinful desires and offer your body to God. Paul says similar, a similar thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where he says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. As Christians who are so grateful for the mercy and grace of God, the things that run through our mind, the question that runs through our mind is, how do I give God glory in this situation? Is the way I'm thinking, is the way I'm talking, is the way I'm conducting myself honoring and glorifying God? If not, I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I sacrifice that to live for my God. Paul says, this is your true spiritual act of worship. Is what we do here on Sunday morning, what we're doing right now, worshiping God? Yes, we are worshiping God. But Christians don't just worship God for one hour on Sunday morning. Our whole life is an act of worship to God as we sacrifice the sinful desires in our hearts to live, to honor, and glorify our God. That is your true spiritual act of worship, Paul says. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What needs to happen for you and me, Paul says in the next phrase, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What constantly needs to happen for you and me, for, for sinners who still have the sinful nature inside of us that still wants to do what we want, we need constant transformation of our thinking. And how does that happen? God's Word. 
We let God's word tell us what to think and our hearts what to feel. And we constantly go back to the word of God to let his word change the way we think and the way we feel. This is our true spiritual act of worship. To summarize all this, your first point. In view of God's mercy, offer your lives, your life to him. That's what Paul is saying. God, here I am to offer myself to you out of thanks and praise for what you've done for me. Tell me what to think. Tell me how to speak. Tell me how to act. Tell me how to feel. Because, Lord, you've been so merciful and gracious to me that I want to live to glorify and honor you. Here I am to serve you. This is our true spiritual act of worship. The generosity of God motivates us to live for him. So what does this have to do with gifts? <laughs> Everything. Because it changes the way we view the gifts that have been given to you and me. As I mentioned, Romans chapter 12 is a transition cha uh, chapter. Verse 1 and 2 transitions to the application to our life. And the very first thing that Paul says after, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, the very first thing he addresses are our gifts, our talents and abilities. Here's what we're told. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, and then he says, let's address the gifts that you have. And we learn three things of application of our gifts. Number one, look at verse six. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So your next point. God has generously given us gifts. Verse 6. According to the grace given to each of us. Grace is undeserved love. And God has given you and me our gifts out of grace. Sure, you may have worked on them, you may have honed them, you may have uh, developed them, but God is the one who gifted each and every one of you. What's amazing about our God is he doesn't create human beings to just be robots. He's created you uniquely. And he's gifted you with all kinds of talents and abilities. They are gifts from our God. Generous gifts from our God. And so what's this mean for you and me? Paul says in verse 3, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. 
If you think back to the verses right before this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of the world in regards to gifts? This is what makes me stand out. This is what makes me important. And our gifts and talents and abilities can, go, uh, can form in the heart pride and arrogance because look at what I've been given. Look at me and my gifts. And if you don't think this can happen to Christians, let me tell you a story. Luke chapter 9. Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples, and Jesus gives his disciples the authority to drive out demons. Uh, they didn't have it before. Jesus said, I now give you the authority to drive out demons. Go out and spread the message and drive out demons. And they come back and they say, Jesus, you're not going to believe it. The demons submit to us. This is amazing. Well, in Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus meets up with his disciples. And John, the one who writes the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation, four books of the Bible, he comes to Jesus and he says, Master, you're not going to believe this. We saw somebody driving out demons using your name, but don't worry. We stopped him because he's not one of us. These disciples didn't have the gift to drive out demons until Jesus gave them the gift. And what did they use the gift for? To be proud, to be filled up with arrogance, because that is the way of the world, because the world has sinful hearts. God has given you and me gifts, gifted each and every one of us generously. And so let's give thanks to God for it. Let us be filled with humility and awe at the fact that God has given us the gifts that he's given. Your second point. Next, God has given us gifts to benefit the body and not ourselves. Notice verse 4 and 5. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Why has God given us these gifts? Not to serve ourselves, not to make a name for ourselves, but to benefit others. God has given you the gift, your gifts, to benefit the body of Christ, which he brought you into through Jesus' death on the cross and the Holy Spirit working through the word, He's brought you into the family of believers, and now God says, I've gifted you with these things so that you can generously use them to build up the body. Just like my hand has a special function. It never functions on its own, though. It benefits the body. My eyes have a special function. They see, they take things in so that my body knows where to go. My brain processes information to lead the body to make smart decisions. It's all about the body. And God has gifted you with talents and abilities to benefit others. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in your thinking. Do you think our minds need some transforming when it comes to gifts? Especially for 21st century Americans who are so individualistic. It's so easy to turn inward and think, I'm going to use my gifts on me. And yet, what does God say? It's 
for the benefit of others. Benefit the body of Christ. Finally, your last point. God has given us gifts to use. Which seems obvious, doesn't it? But here's what Paul says. Verse, uh, second half of verse 6 into 7. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, the gifts that you've been given, use, Paul says. Use the gifts that God has so graciously and generously given to you. As I look out in the congregation here, the people sitting here, I see people that God has gifted generously. I see people who are gifted at organization and details, planning. I see people who are good at working with their hands and building things. I see people who are good and, and been given the gifts of teaching. I see people who are good at prayer, at encouragement. I see people who, who have been gifted with leadership. I see people with all kinds of gifts and abilities. The question we need to wrestle with is are we using them? And are we using them to benefit the body? If you are looking for meaning in life, God has given you the opportunity to have such deep satisfaction in your soul because God has gifted you with gifts to benefit what? The body of Christ. An eternal purpose, an eternal meaning to use your gifts with eternal impact. And the wonderful thing about our God, the, generous, the generosity of our God is you don't have to be someone else or have someone else's gift to participate in that ministry. God has gifted you specifically with your gifts to make an eternal impact with the gifts you have because the body needs all of it. Just like I said in the, in the children's devotion, the body needs an elbow. As uh, Bella said as she was leaving, if we didn't have kneecaps, we wouldn't be able to walk. Uh, the body needs kneecaps. You have been given gifts by our God, generously given gifts by our God to build up the body and have eternal impact on this world. What do you think our church could do if we were functioning at 100%? Everyone using their gifts all at the same time to build up the body. It'd be a pretty big impact on the kingdom. As we close up, not just today, but this series as a whole. I said at the very beginning of the series that as, as we look at the generosity of God, our God, what would we be left with? We'd be left sitting with awe of our God. We'd be filled with humility and an overwhelming sense of gratitude at just how generous our God is. And that's where we're at today. Our generous God has given us everything we need for this life to take care of our body. Our God has given us everything we need so we can be generous on all occasions. Our God has given us gifts to serve in the body of Christ 
so we can have eternal impact on other people. Our generous God continues to provide each and every one of us what, with what we need, when we need it, so that we can be generous on all occasions. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. May God be with us as we use our gifts, as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to our God who has so graciously and mercifully brought us into his family. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and thank you that you are a God of mercy and that you are a God of grace. You, you have forgiven us our sins. Uh, you have taken all of the sin that we have uh, accumulated and you have given it to Jesus. And Jesus, you willingly took it to the cross where you paid for all of our sins so that we may be declared innocent and been given the gift of eternal life. In view of your mercy, Lord, we ask that you motivate in us the desire to serve and worship you, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices out of thanks and praise for what you have done for us. Uh, as we are transformed in our thinking, as your word transforms and changes the way we think and changes the way we feel, uh, help us to view our gifts differently. They're not there for us to be proud and arrogant, but uh, to be humble and use them according to the grace that you have given us. We thank you for the opportunity to use them and build up the body of believers, that uh, it's not about us, but about the body as a whole, and, and what joy it is to know that you have gifted us generously uh, so that we can have eternal impact uh, in this world. Uh, help us to recognize the gifts that you have given us. Let us be discerning about that, and then help us to put those into practice so that we may give you glory and honor and that others may benefit from the gifts that you have given us and the rest of the body. We ask you to continue to be with us. Let us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus because it's through this grace, this generous grace, that all other generosity flows. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.